Welcome to the Super Jump Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Mitchell Farley-Wolf, and I'm joined by two of the most prominent co-hosts we've ever had, Wyatt Donigan. How's it going? It's going pretty well, Wyatt. How are you? I'm doing well. Doing well. And, of course, editor-in-chief of Super Jump Magazine, James Burns. Hey, how's it going? It's good to be back. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm glad to have you both in, in the same podcast. Like, for once. It, it happened, I know it happened the first time White was on the show, in a, mm. in a, in a screening audition sort of way. Uh, <laughs> but after that, I don't remember if it's actually happened, uh, just like the three of us at the same time. I, I think we, maybe we had a couple of episodes in there, but I, I sort of feel like having all three of us back now is somehow impacting the space-time continuum in some way. So something weird <laughs> yeah. may happen know, something as a result. Something somewhere is just off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it definitely seems like we did. It I, I feel like we did, but I can't remember <laughs> one, and I, I don't see the records of one. But I'm not looking through all of the old episodes, so it's definitely possible. <laughs> Um, so we have a we have a kind of weird episode for you today. Uh, we're not talking about any news, mainly because like the news that's been going on is is sad, and I don't want to. But also, um, <laughs> it, it's just I, like I double don't want to for other reasons too. So we're just gonna get into our first segment and our only segment today: the playtime report. I've been playing so many weird games, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> It's been great, um, but I want to start with a game. Uh, we all have a lot of stuff, but I'm going to zero in on the one I'm seeing multiple times. The only one in common, I think, which is Untitled Goose Game. <laughs> uh, so, James, <laughs> yeah. you and I played that. Uh, I want your take first. Well, I've I've only really played kind of the first chapter, I guess. I don't really know what you'd call it, like the first segment Sure. Yeah. Um, the gardener. The gardener. Yeah. I've. I've. Where I'm up to now is, <laughs> I've just done the part where you have to harass the kid and get him into the phone booth. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I just. I realized that sentence would sound very strange out of context as well. Uh, <laughs> I, I promise it's not something I do in my daily life. Um, yeah. I mean, it's. It's kind of, it, it's really weird. Like this game, um, this game was made by, you know, a tiny little developer here in Australia. And I don't know whether this has happened over in the States, but here, this game is everywhere now. Like, I mean, um, daytime talkback radio hosts are discussing oh. it. And oh, wow. <laughs> it's been on like the news and it's, there's like cafes here in Melbourne have signs up saying no geese allowed. Um, it's like, <laughs> it's become this like weird national icon all of a sudden, which is so strange considering that, you know, fundamentally it's about an asshole goose that's just yeah. trying to harass people. <laughs> so, just a, a right bastard. Just yeah, like, yeah. The worst. <laughs> entity yeah. that could be yeah exactly um and it's just like i don't know what it is they've just hit on this like perfect magical formula because it's just <laughs> yeah. so much fun annoying the shit out of people 
And I think like, <laughs> I guess my main observation was, you know, there's no actual violence in this game. And, and like the consequence for being caught is sort of nothing really. I mean, you, you know, you're not losing a life or anything like that. Um, it's, it's just fun to mess with people. What can I say? It is. It is. Um, I, I don't really have a concept for if our daytime radio hosts are talking about it or not. Um, because yeah, me neither. Yeah, it's been, it's been some time since I voluntarily listened to daytime radio. I'm, I, I'm a podcast elitist. Uh, like clearly we have the better talk format. Yeah. Uh, of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it, it does seem to really have catch, uh, caught on. I was maybe going to pass on it, but then uh, during my game design class, my professor says, okay, everyone, uh, you've probably been hearing a lot about this Goose game. Uh, we're going to play it a little bit. And <laughs> he played it on the projector. <laughs> uh, and we, we dissected it for mechanics because that was what we were studying at that moment. And from that, I just I realized, okay, I need to get the goose game so i went home and i bought the goose game and i i i am actually not too much further than you james um there's something about the goose game that is i think draining a bit at least for me i hear a lot of people are talking about it's only two and a half hours you can just go all the way through it in one go and i bet that's true if i really wanted to do it i could just go all the way through it in one go but I, I just like ruined this gardener's whole day and I thought I need to put a cap on that. That's <laughs> that that needs to be the, the end of my emotional involvement with the goose game for right now. Um not because it's bad or even exhausting, just because that that was that it was it was like a it was like a nice meal. Like I I know I wanted I didn't want to just eat junk food after that. I, I I really just destroyed this gardener's whole sense of self-worth and I needed that to like be a chapter in my day in and of itself. Yeah. I, I think that's exactly what happened with me actually in retrospect. Cause I was trying to, like I was thinking about why is it that I put the game down at that point? Uh, even yeah. though I was enjoying it and yeah, it, it's just, I don't know. It, it feels like, um, it kind of feels like you've you've eaten a chocolate bar and it was really good, but that's <laughs> enough for now. Just put it down, you know, give it a few days before your next one, like moderation. Would you call it the junk food of video games? Would you be so bold? <laughs> <laughs> In the best possible way. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> okay. Um, Wyatt, you've been dipping into the Apple Arcade and I haven't at all because I don't own any Apple devices, but I've wanted <laughs> to. So tell me about that honestly it's uh it's pretty good you know i think it launched with like maybe 50 games i haven't played all of them yet um but i've played through probably about 10 like when it first came out i basically just downloaded a bunch of them and just played for like 15 20 minutes each just to kind of like kind of get the first impressions for a lot of them and there wasn't one that i played that i would say was was bad like if you don't like mobile games, probably not going to be your thing. But if you're okay with just playing like some bite-sized, like really easily digestible kind of games, then Apple Arcade is like really good. Um, there's a couple of puzzle games that were really fun. There was this one that I really liked called Card of Darkness. And it's 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 like a puzzle game, but it's based with cards. So you have to, it's almost kind of like a, uh, 
um, like solitaire because you kind of have to you have to layer is your that cards. Is that the one by I think so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the arts by Pendleton Ward. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. that is a cool yeah, mashup of people. Yeah. It's really it's it's honestly really fascinating because it's almost like an it's it's a puzzle game, but it's also like a, a an adventure RPG, and it's also kind of like a roguelike dungeon. Uh, like simulator because each level is completely different and there's different cards and you have health points you have a sword there's spells you can use um so you have to manage like how much damage you're taking versus what minions you're killing on each of the cards and it's uh it's really it took me a second to kind of understand the the mechanics of it because it's a little bit confusing on how like each level goes but once you know the the mechanics it was probably one of the most fun uh, Apple Arcade games that I played. Cool. Um, yeah, that one was really good. And then there was another, uh, there was another puzzle type game. It was almost like a, uh, um, it's similar to I don't want to say Candy Crush because that might su- really super turn people off, but it's like it's just a, a match, you know, type game. Yeah, that's a point um, of comparison for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's it's called Grindstone. Maybe I'll use Puzzle Quest as like a uh, okay a, a comparison because that one might trigger less people. Um, but it's basically it's it's called Grindstone. Uh, you're it's it's again kind of set in like this dungeon, and there there's different colored little bad guys you have to do. Um, and you have to link together attacks and you've got, again, there's shields, there's swords. Um, but it's just the, the way that they, the art style is really cool. And just the, the way they kind of took their own spin on that type of game, um, that like puzzle match type, uh, puzzle kind of game. It was just really fun. Um, and then even outside of those, there were even some, some more like actual like in-depth games, um, that were pretty fun. There's like a murder mystery, um, there's another really colorful one. Um, ooh, I'm trying to remember what it was called. It's like Saya, yeah, Sayonara Wild Hearts. Oh, that yeah. one is, yeah. Yeah, 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 that one is. I think that one's not. It's it's not only an Apple Arcade game. That one is also on. I think consoles yeah. and PC. It's at least on Switch. Um, um, I've I've been seeing that one get a lot of acclaim everywhere. Yeah, that one's really fun and it's really addicting as well because it's it's uh, each level has like a high score like tier that you kind of have to go through so even though like you might beat the the level every time i wanted to go back and play it again to get the highest score because i'm just compulsive and competitive like that um but the music each level had a different song Mm. and it's all like original songs made just for this game uh so and it's super vibrant it's got this like 80s synth wave type uh art style to it so a lot of like purples pinks um and like that kind of vibe but it's just really fun um and honestly that's kind of like the thing that i really took away from a lot of these apple arcade games is just they're they're pretty fun yeah Um, and the 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 best part is that there are no microtransactions (laughs) so every game that you play um they're not really shoving any of that down your throat they're not trying to get you to buy more gems or anything like that like the entire game is just there and you can just play it so it was kind of pretty refreshing because even though, as I've said before uh, on the podcast, like I love mobile games. Um, I'm not going to defend the microtransactions, you know, like the stuff that we saw or that we talked about with Pokemon Masters a couple podcasts ago. Like that's not something that I'm going to defend, um, but I do like playing mobile games. And if this type of this Apple Arcade subscription service is sort of the, the, the avenue that we're going to go down where you can just pay 
you know, whatever fee to play these, you know, play a bunch of games and not have to worry about any sort of microtransactions or anything, any sort of monetization like that. I think it's a really cool thing. Yeah, I've, I've, um, I, I talked with, I think you, Wyatt, on the podcast about Apple Arcade, and that was when they had announced their launch lineup. And I think I mm-hmm. need to eat a little crow on that because my take at the time <laughs> was these games look cool and niche and, and weird and interesting in their own ways, but I don't see anything like a, you know, when you when you launch a console, you want a Mario sixty four, you want a yeah. you want something like that. That that was my take at the time, and I think that was the wrong take to have, uh, considering what Apple Arcade ended up bringing to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, all of these things seem like weird system sellers, considering that if you own an Apple piece of hardware, the system is five dollars a month, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's so that's really good. And, you know, if if the buy it, and you only need to do the one month at a time if you only do one a month, so that's five dollars. Yeah, of course you can exactly yeah, you... that. Yeah, easy, mm-hmm. easy choice. Um, any any other uh, weird ones you try from that? I I saw I saw there out of the franchises I recognized. I saw there was a Sonic thing, a Rayman thing, a Frogger thing. Those I actually I honestly tried to stay away from those. Not that like I have anything against any of those franchises, but I kind of just wanted to play the other titles because you know Sonic Racing like it sounds cool, but like that's kind of something that like we've done before. You know, like mm-hmm. a like a I mean Sonic Team Racing does exist. So yeah. those like I I really wanted to try like the indie titles and the the titles I I felt were kind of really meant for Apple Arcade. Um, so I think eventually I'll, I'll definitely go back and, and play some of those, but I just really wanted to try out some of the more like niche titles before diving into Sonic and Frogger and Rayman and all that good stuff. Cool. I got a. I I am interested to see what a 2019 Frogger game looks like, but <laughs> yeah, I think that's well reasoned. Um, I've been playing a video game. I just reviewed it for Super Jump Magazine. You know, it's this little magazine some of us are into um it's called ukulele in the impossible lair it is the second game from platonic the second game of the ukulele series and i'm i'm uh, really happy to say that not just in my opinion it seems like the opinion of, of many reviewers out there right now this one's great this one this one is like really good um the first ukulele game was something that i liked but is not necessarily something I could recommend to every person and is not necessarily something that I know for sure if you're into this kind of game you would like. This one is. This one is a, a 2D platformer rather than a 3D platformer. And in that consolidation into 3D, it, it's clear that the team has worked a lot on level design and uh, purity of gameplay and a lot of important factors that make this feel like a much more... Uh, worthwhile, much more flowy, much more well-designed video game in general. The secrets are cooler to find. The uh, the, the gameplay feels better to do. Uh, the levels are more interesting, I think. Just top to bottom, much better game. And I'm really, really into it. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that uh, the ukulele series was not uh, a, a one and done because this game, I think, makes it pretty worth it for me. Yeah, I was really, really 
pleased to read that review. I was really excited about that because I, probably like a lot of people, I tried to get into the the first game. Like I, I bought it on Switch. You know, I, I had a go at it, um, but I just it it just felt a little bit kind of um, unfocused, for lack of a better word. Like I, it it just sort of felt like it was a little bit all over the place. Um, and I, I just couldn't quite get there. I started to, I started to get a little bored and go and play other things, but just from watching the footage of this and kind of, um, you know, listening to the interviews with the team and then your review as well. Um, I, I think this is going to be my next switch purchase. Definitely. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, I, I do recommend it and it, it's just it's really easy to recommend because it's just such a solid um, platformer in the same vein it, it's obviously very similar to Donkey Kong Country specifically Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze it feels yeah. like that game uh, it does some similar things in the Donkey Kong fan community which we've brought up a couple times because they've co-starred on this show before um they are debating of whether whether uh, they think Ukulele in the Impossible Lair or Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze is a better game. And that's Tropical wow. Freeze. That is like one yeah. of the best yeah, Wii U cool. games ever and one of the best Donkey Kong games ever. And, and they're Donkey Kong people and that they're, they're not even sure. So that's... Wow. I, I feel like that should be a glowing endorsement. Yeah, absolutely. Um. And just from the success of this game, I'm I'm really excited for them if they ever decide to go back to a 3D platformer. Um, not that the exact specific skill set would carry over, but some some of the fundamentals in just um, focusing on one mode of gameplay, maybe two, and taking those modes of gameplay and, and pushing them as far as they can go, rather than what the first game did, which I think it got a little down in the weeds for... Um, for, for trying to do a lot of things mm. every level had a like an arcade mini game that was not low effort at all it like it seemed it like it took a lot of development time every level had a transformation which changes the way they play every level had a minecart stage which changes the way they play most levels had a little something else that was weird and uh the fact that yuka and Laylee can walk around in that 3d platformer and feel great which is mm. the hardest thing to do. That is really, really difficult to nail, just the feeling of walking around. Yeah. And then they decided to you know, try so many other things, and I think that was part of the downfall of that game, and I think does factor into um, what you were saying about it maybe feeling unfocused. If they, if they take what they did here in, in this one, in Impossible Air, and bring it to another two, uh, 3D platformer in the future, that would be, that would be amazing. On what I think is maybe the furthest possible game from Ukulele and the Impossible Lair, I do want you, Wyatt, to talk to me about Call of Duty Mobile and why you've been playing that. So Call of Duty Mobile, it's it's in a weird spot because you know Call of Duty is this, this yearly franchise that, um, or I mean, it's this franchise that gets yearly entrance, and each one basically kind of feels different from the other. Um, within, I mean, like the Black Ops ones feel like Black Ops games and, you know, there's Modern Warfare, but every year there's usually something kind of different, but Call of Duty Mobile is honestly 
it takes all of the best parts of the Call of Duty franchise and puts it into one place. Like all of the best weapons, the best maps, um, the best you know perks, all of that, and it and it puts it into this package that a lot of people might be turned off of because of the fact that it's mobile. But honestly, it feels really good. Like I tweeted about it, you know, like the day it came out, and it, it feels weird that like Call of Duty Mobile is probably the best Call of Duty game that has come out since, like, Modern Warfare 2. Maybe, like, Black Ops 2. Like, it's the best Call of Duty in a long time, and it's on on phones. Um, like, the controls feel solid, um, which is kind of a weird thing to say for a first-person shooter, because I haven't... I've never really been a fan of first-person shooters on, uh, on mobile, but the way that they get around it with this game is pretty interesting um they have like an auto fire function that i don't really think is all that great because it takes away any sort of skill that you could possibly have even on a phone um but they have another option where instead of having to like ads you the the shoot and the ads button is just together so when you start shooting you'll go from just normal first person to automatically ads's for you and then you can just aim it yourself like that um and it feels really responsive and it is really fun and like i said it's got the best all of some of like the fan favorite maps from all the different franchises and a lot of guns that people really care for and it's honestly it's a really fun game it that's interesting that that's definitely uh, an interesting (laughs) thing to hear about for call of duty mobile james have you like looked into this at all not at all i'm uh i'm probably like um as as far away from mobile games as as possible um but i and the discussion about apple arcade just now um kind of makes me think that it's something i should revisit because um for me i mean part of it part of my aversion to mobile games has been the touch controls in some cases especially in first person Mm -hmm. shooters actually yeah. Um, but, but I think also a big part of it for me is the whole monetization microtransaction model. So if I can play mm-hmm. mobile games without worrying about that and just enjoy the game, I think that actually makes me much more likely to check out titles like this. Um, mm-hmm. Is this on Apple Arcade or is this outside? No, of this Apple one's Arcade? not. Yeah. yeah, this one's just a normal game. It's made by Tencent. Yeah. Um, so like they're the they develop and publish it and everything. So yeah. it, there's definitely a, there's not. I mean there are microtransactions. I wouldn't say that there are like uh, hampering to the gameplay experience. Mm. Like there, of, of course there's like a battle pass you can buy or something like that. Um, but the game itself um, is just kind of there. Like it's just it's just like a Call of Duty. You play multiplayer. There's Blackout in it as well. Or I mean it's not called Blackout, but it's the battle royale in there and then i think there's going to be zombies mode at some point but um but yeah this one is not connected to apple arcade yeah but it is really fun cool cool yeah um speaking of apple arcade though xbox game pass and i think james just just judging by the (laughs) array of games that you have on your list (laughs) it looks like you dug out your xbox from the from the closet yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. I finally did, and actually, recently, like the last few weeks, I've been playing Xbox more than anything else. 
Um, wow. And Is that where you played Untitled Goose Game, or was that on Switch? Uh, no, I played that on Switch, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I've I've just been... Because I ended up getting... Uh, what's it called? Game, Game Pass Plus, or Game Pass... Ultimate. Ultimate, there you go. Hey, um, Microsoft's not just going to drop a plus on you. They got to... <laughs> <laughs> you need to feel like a gamer when you're making that purchase. <laughs> well, it's uh, it's it's pretty awesome, needless to say. And I've been tinkering with like a ton of different games on there, but probably the two that I've spent the most time with are uh, Forza Horizon Four and Gears Five. Um, and I actually I wrote a piece recently about. It, it was kind of about Forza Horizon 4. Um, and, it, and it was just... It, and it was a bit difficult to sort of articulate because I've always been interested in racing games and I've always been a bit of a car enthusiast uh, my whole life. And maybe there's just a lot of cool racing games I've been missing in recent years, but I've kind of felt like racing games in general have kind of moved down one of two pathways like they've either been these really really ultra realistic simulation heavy games and i guess the main forza series is probably more like that it's like a gran turismo competitor um and then you've got these games that i don't quite know what i'd call them exactly but ever since fast and the furious came out um a lot of racing games have tried to emulate that kind of street racing feeling. A, a more arcadey race, like race art. Uh, I remember back in the day, the Cruisin' USA or Cruisin' yeah. World or whatever, uh, those games, they seem well, sort of like the ancestor to this style of racing game to me. Yeah, the I think the, it's... the gameplay gets You're gamer. right. But there's this other element that I I can't quite put my finger on. It's like, it's the arcade gameplay, which is fine. But then there's this, a lot of these racing games in this category have like really elaborate story modes. um, And they're all like aping on Fast and the Furious in some way. And they feel a little bit... To me, anyway, they feel kind of derivative and it's like, oh, here we go again. Everybody's ultra cool. They're trying really hard, whatever. Like, you know, I'm too old for that shit. It was shit. like the like like Need for Speed Underground and yeah. Midnight Club, like where you, you know put rims on it yeah. and put lights <laughs> under your car and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, every, it's like I, I sort of feel like a lot of these games are competing with each other on like how much they can kind of bling up their cars and... I don't know, it just, the first couple of times around it was sort of interesting, but it started to really bore me and I, you know, didn't really want to go there. So what I love about Forza Horizon and particularly Forza Horizon 4 is it it sort of feels like um, it's this really sort of positive, um, sounds trite to say it, but kind of this positive, honest celebration of cars and being a car enthusiast (laughs) if that makes sense like and it reminded me of the early need for speed games like the first Mm. two need for speeds especially where you know yes you were racing but it wasn't so much about everything being like hardcore sim 
or hardcore street racing, the hardcore, there was no hardcore. Like it was, it was just about kind of the pleasure of driving these amazing cars that, you know, you would never drive in real life kind of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. and I feel like Forza Horizon 4 captures that perfectly. Like, um, it's this combination of, you know, this, um, kind of garage of cars that are all so lovingly, beautifully recreated. Um, you, you know, in Forza Horizon 4, you're in, you're racing around the UK, you know, it's a celebration of these these kind of beautiful landscapes that you're driving through, incredible attention to detail. Um, and the whole thing, like from the soundtrack to the, the announcers, it just has this sort of feeling of good vibes and positivity without being over the top in your face all the time. Um, Are and you it's a big just, car guy? I am, yeah. I didn't know that about you. Yeah, I, I used to, um, before I moved out of home as a, as a kid, I had, uh, I remember I had, I used to buy various car magazines, like I bought all of the major ones they sold here. And I remember moving out and I opened the, the closet door and there was a tower of car magazines I'd collected that nearly fell on me and killed me. <laughs> so I had to like... <laughs> You know, I had to, um, I sort of stopped collecting them over the years, but I've always been a big car person. And um, so those those early Need for Speed games were right up my alley because they used to do things like, um, you know, aside from the actual racing and stuff, they'd have little cheesy videos about each of the cars and uh, they'd delve a little bit into the history of the manufacturer they were really all about that kind of car enthusiast angle. Um, and I feel like Forza Horizon 4 is kind of bringing that back. And it's not something I'm really seeing anywhere else. It's very unique to this series. Um, and then you've got the really ridiculous stuff. Like they have these they have these showcase events where, you know, like you're racing a massive hovercraft through the British countryside or... Uh, I think my favorite one is um, you race against the Flying Scotsman, which is a which is a classic cross country train, steam train in the UK, and that's just you know you can't wipe the smile from my face during that whole race. It's just amazing. Um, did you get into that Lego expansion? Yes, I did. <laughs> that's very cool too. Very very cool. Um, there's just so much polish in these games and so much attention to detail. Like you, you really get the feeling that, um, that the team who made them were like loving every moment. Um, you know, it really gives you that vibe. So that's probably the game I've spent the most time playing in the last few weeks. And it's so massive that I don't know if I'll ever finish it. There's a million things to do. Um, and it moves through seasons of the year where, you know, the events change each season and everything. So it's, it's massive. Um, but it's, it's so much fun. I love it. 
I've been really wanting to get into that uh, Lego expansion for Forza Horizon 4, except for the fact that at E3, I spilled a bunch of beer on their Lego car. And I, they, <laughs> the Ubisoft people got a little mad at me. They tried to say it's fine, but I could tell they weren't happy about it. And, <laughs> and they said it was... I, they said it was fine, and then they were all talking about you behind your back when you left. Yeah, yeah. If we don't get any more review copies from them, I'm sorry. Um, but <laughs> every time I see the Lego expansion for this game, I think of that, and I get on. I, I put beer on the car. Didn't mean to. My bad. Because it was like glued together too, and I don't know what the reaction between glue and beer is. Maybe it's not good. But you destroyed their car, Mitchell. Oh my God! I've never someone purposely so put hot beer and glue together before. So. <laughs> oh well, maybe you, maybe you can repay them by buying this expansion. That might make you feel a bit better. <laughs> Isn't it free? Uh, I don't think so. No. Oh okay. Um, okay. but, but what, one thing they do is, um, which is pretty cool is I notice, I'm not sure what the cadence of this is, whether it's sort of timed or how they do it, but every few sessions that I log into the game, I'm usually presented with some sort of reward or gift. So they've got downloadable cars that you can buy, but it's kind of like the longer you play and the more you sign in, they, they, um, this little prompt comes up on the screen where they thank you for sticking with them and they thank you for playing and they offer you something for free. You know, they'll give you a rare car or some credits or something. And it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not like an earth changing thing, but it's just, um, it's just a really cool little, it, it kind of adds to the positive vibe of the experience. Hmm. That's cool. Yeah, that's that's neat. Um, I want to talk about One Two Switch because One Two Switch is a, was a launch game for the Switch, and everyone kind of like as a community, we all got together. We put aside our differences, all of our 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 tension between races and sexes and classes and religions, and we all <laughs> held hands and said we don't really care about this game. And it was a nice moment of unity within the games community, which is always such a uh, tumultuous place. But for 1-2-Switch, we really just agreed on it. And I finally played it. I I hadn't really played it before. I, I, like, played a minigame of it once, but it it wasn't enough to, to... know how i felt about it it turns out it actually was enough to know how much i felt about it because the game has like no content in it but i i did get (laughs) to play it in the context of um, a bunch of other video game students um just trying to find something to do and we saw that the the school library had one two switch in it so we were like okay yeah we gotta i guess we gotta do this and uh (laughs) yeah it was fine (laughs) <laughs> it was fine that's such a glowing review i'm sure that's exactly what they want to hear I, I thought this big build-up was you were going to tell us like everybody's missed out on this and it's the no. game of the generation and <laughs> no nah. that was fine it, it was whatever it's <laughs> yeah i mean when the people clasp hands and 
unanimously told Nintendo that we don't really care about what they're selling, uh, they were right. The the people <laughs> the people in in their uh, wisdom of large numbers did prevail on that choice, and um, yeah, I mean there's some there's some cute little moments. Um, there there were one of the games that stood out was this one. Have either of you played the game? Uh, I yes, have not. No. I have. Yeah. How much did you play the game, James? <laughs> I, I played two sessions and then <laughs> put it away. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There was one game in there with uh, samurais, and you hold the Joy-Con over your head um, as if it's the handle of a samurai sword, mm. and you swing down while facing your opponent, uh, and they try to clap their hands with their Joy-Con in their hands, as your invisible fake samurai sword, excuse me, as their in, uh, invisible fake samurai sword flies through where their hands would be if any of that was real. Mm. And the first time I played it, because it's like best of three, I think, I thought this is really dumb. The feedback of not being able to know if you're clapping your hands on the sword or not kind of isn't there. So it just the feel of it is not there. <laughs> in in general <laughs> but yeah. then that in and of itself started to become its own little mind game like oh am i gonna freak out the opponent by swiping in a different sort of way and then they won't know when to clap and um <laughs> yeah and i mean that that was the peak <laughs> that was that was that was the, the peak of the game for me that was really good i mean it's not bad it's it's not 50 dollars if you if you no, want to go qual- quality to dollar which is always something that is almost impossible to do but um the fact that this is being sold for 50 dollars should raise most eyebrows um because it's 50 dollars <laughs> still is the thing still right now yeah it's 50 that's crazy yeah to me it's like it's something that you would include with the console maybe mm-hmm. um and when I was playing it, I, I almost thought, actually, the audience for this is not gamers. The audience for this is developers. Like, if I were a, a developer coming to the Switch, especially when it was new, 1-2 Switch yeah. is kind of a good little demo of, like, the capabilities of the hardware. Um, so it, it's it's interesting from that perspective, but it's it's definitely not a full-price game. No way. Yeah, you compare it to, um, or at least I do, to Wii Sports and Nintendo Land for the Wii U. And both of those are really good, though. They do the same yeah. uh, thing of marketing the system's capabilities to developers, but also marketing the system's capabilities to consumers. And to say, hey, you might expect more of this kind of thing on this console. And um, even with the Wii U, where the Wii U's thing didn't end up being that ad- attractive for most developers or consumers that that game was fine that game was great nintendo land is was a highlight of the wii u um and one two switch is not a highlight of the switch and Mm. i think that kind of just goes to show how the switch has that capability it still has motion controls it still has it has this hd rumble thing that's pretty new it has um all all of these extra little functions that the joy cons can do but is a pretty traditional video game console especially by nintendo standards um so it didn't end up that stuff didn't end up defining the switch yeah which maybe maybe nintendo knew about and that's why it wasn't included as the um like 
the pack-in game to be analogous to Nintendo Land or Wii Sports. My more cynical take is that Nintendo saw that the quality was not what they thought it would be and decided later to make it not a pack-in game where it was supposed to originally be. Um, but that's a they could have at least made it cheaper in that case. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah they really could. They could have done a lot. Because if things. it was like, <laughs> if it was twenty bucks, I probably would have bought it just to be like, okay, let's see what this yeah. is about. But at fifty bucks, I was like, there's no way I'm buying this when I can spend ten dollars more and get Breath of the Wild. Like, no, yeah, okay. yeah exactly. especially when Snipper Clips. Remember Snipper Clips? That yeah. Was oh yeah, also that was fun. A Nintendo first party published and technically developed game that was that was twenty bucks. That was digital only, but that game ended up being a much better game, a much more liked game, mm. and probably a better example of what was going to be the future of the Switch because that mm-hmm. kind of thing is really big on the Switch now. Yeah. Um, that easily could have been swapped for, for the context that uh, 1-2-Switch is in now. But, yeah, they didn't, which is weird, and it's always going to be weird. <laughs> um, I just, let's see. Being that this is the only thing we're doing this episode, I don't feel that bad about going long for Playtime Report. Mm-hmm. Um, but Wyatt, I don't, I don't see Tekken, and I do see Dragon Ball Fighters. So what happened <laughs> to Tekken? Um, so I mean, Tekken's still there, but I happened okay. to this this past weekend. Um, I went to um, I went up to Seattle for my best friend's wedding. And they had Dragon Ball Fighters, and so we played a few matches um, on the Switch version, which, by the way, has god awfully long load times in between matches. Oh yeah, I, I was yeah. just the entire time we were sitting there thinking, I was like, man, if they played tournaments on this on the Switch version, which I mean would be a terrible idea, just because of the frame rate and all that. But the the load times alone, I was like, oh god, this was excruciatingly long. But um, and just playing that, I forgot how fun that game is. Just as, just like in a more casual sense of just playing a Dragon Ball fighting game. Um, so after that, I came home and I've been like playing a few matches and stuff, and it's just been really fun. So like I forgot, it just kind of renewed my uh, my love for that game because it is a very fun game. Um, it's got some, you know, it's got its issues as a lot of fighting games do, but overall, it's a really fun game. So I've been playing a little bit of that this week. Who's your character in Dragon Ball Fighters? Um, so my team is uh, Trunks, Adult Gohan, and Goku Black. Is that Future Trunks? Yeah, yeah, it is Future Trunks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, they don't have the the only they have Go Tanks as that's like the only mm-hmm. form of of Trunks and like kid form. But yeah, they they have the Future Trunks as a, a main character. <laughs> James, can you hang in a Dragon Ball discussion? Are you able to, to to know what's going on? <laughs> uh, I'm listening and learning. Okay. <laughs> Is that okay? I, I heard trunks. Okay, somebody's wearing some swimwear. Yeah, yes. yeah. someone's um, wearing some swimwear trunks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I <laughs> I I had this for list, longtime listeners of the show probably have heard me talk about this before, but I had this weird. Um, thing i did over the last couple years where in summer of i want to say 17 but it might have been 2018 just last summer i decided hey i've seen like a couple episodes of dragon ball the original show not dragon ball z oh like in my childhood just a couple Mm. i don't know what's Mm. up with this dragon ball thing but everyone seems to be talking about it because they were for some reason at that point and uh (laughs) 
I'll, I'm just gonna go ahead and uh, watch all of it. And since then, <laughs> in a very truncated, hey trunks, uh, truncated <laughs> amount of time, <laughs> I watched all of the original show, all of Z, all of Dragon Ball GT, and Super. And I gotta tell you, I don't really care about it that much. I just did it, <laughs> but um, but. If I if I do care about it, I care about it enough to say that Trunks is future Trunks is probably my favorite Dragon Ball character. I think I think yeah he's he's definitely in my like top five. I really like that character a lot. <laughs> what are the other characters in your top five Dragon Ball characters? What? Um, so Vegeta is at the top. Okay, um, he's my favorite character by far. Yeah, everyone loves Vegeta. Um, and then uh, <laughs> Goku Black is also that's why he's on my team. Um, Goku Black is one of my, another favorite. Uh, Gohan specifically, like from like the teen teen Gohan and like adult Gohan when he's not like super like whiny studious Go- Gohan. Um, and then what is that? That's three plus Trunks. Um, <laughs> so Trunks and then, is number four. <laughs> well i mean these are like not technically in order but like just kind of like an unordered top five and then uh dang what is what's the little guy from super is it zeno the the little little tiny yeah or zeno zenny yeah that guy i mean there Mm -hmm. there's two of them at some point because of Uh time travel and you know anime but i like that he's he's a he's a great character so james what are your top five dragon ball characters (laughs) (laughs) oh can you name can you name five dragon ball (laughs) can you name five dragon ball a better question welcome to our next segment of the super jump podcast can james name five dragon ball characters that wyatt didn't say (laughs) <laughs> oh look, I you know I I, I couldn't name a, a top five. I, there's just so many I love. Uh, I gotta say I'm probably a Trunks man all the way. Okay, <laughs> in real life and in anime. So, <laughs> well, we'll get back to uh, you with the rest of your your four in your top five uh, later in the episode. So. Yeah, thank you. I'll go and research. Yeah, you, have, you have time to Google. Something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh meanwhile while you're googling i'll i'll take a mm. <laughs> i'll take one of them uh so there was a, there was an assignment that i did in that same class that they showed untitled goose game where we had to define what a game is and mm. in order to do that we needed to take uh i think it was like a list of nine games and just say how much of a game it is from one to five where one was absolutely a game three is i can't i can't really tell it's it maybe both a game and not a game and five was absolutely not a game uh and i was the list had some uh things that i think most people would have played on it like minecraft but it was specifically the creative mode of minecraft um the sims let's see uh spore but the creature creator for spore only gary's mod and then also some things uh that i needed to play for the first time and i i just wanted to talk about these and also if we have the time i i kind of want to play that game with you guys see where you guys land on the game not game spectrum for some of these things uh the first one was kind words have either of you heard of kind words i have not Uh, i have i haven't played it though but yeah i've heard of it so it's this game on Steam. I don't believe it's around for anything else, um, which makes sense because it only kind of works on computer. 
Hmm. where you play as just someone you're you're in your room you have a desk you have a window and that's about it and there's this deer that comes it's a male deer and the male deer asks you to send some mail and the loop of this game is basically you sit down at your your word processor and you write up a letter and you're encouraged to write about the things that are troubling you in your life right now. Whether they're things you're anxious about or nervous or upset or sad or angry or whatever. You just write it down and you give the mail deer your mail and it mails it out to the world. Uh, to other people playing kind words, they will receive your letter maybe. And they will read it and they'll write back to you and they'll say something to you. Then they will send that letter, that response to you, and that is the end of the communication. You you don't get to like keep going with that. Um, I assumed, and and I was just playing this because, to to be honest, I was just playing this because it was assigned. But I went into this with the idea that I'm just going to say something. I'm going to get immediately trolled by someone. I'm mm. going to get immediately <laughs> just uh, just cussed at or whatever. And then that'll be it. And I'll think, well, that was $5 I spent on that game and move on. <laughs> uh, because, you know, mm. online trolling is something that I can't really take too seriously these days, but is, you know, not great. But I I took it seriously enough to do the part of the exchange where I wrote something that was, I guess, medium, a medium level of personal, uh, gave it to the male deer. And the male deer ma- mailed it out. And when I got a letter back from the male deer, it was just, like, really nice. It was it really, really worked. Um, I looked into how the moderation for this game worked. Where, apparently, the guy who made the game just manually reads most of the letters that go through. <laughs> that is the wow. moderation process. That's amazing <laughs> to me. Yeah. That one guy yeah, can that's take incredible. all that stuff. And he said that it is hard, but for the most part, people have been kind. And people are mostly very eager to be sensible and real and uh, respond to your thing by actually addressing the thing that you said and not be off topic and not be mean and not just be a troll. And uh, not only that, but the amount of trolls in the letters going out like the the first part of the exchange are apparently much higher than the trolls in the responses so as soon as you get a response from someone you know that the odds are pretty high that even without moderation even without the letter being uh reported or anything like that it'll just be cool it'll be a cool place to to write and hang out and that's that's amazing i don't know if it's a game but it's what whatever it is is i think really really cool <laughs> and it's cool yeah yeah this, um, this kind of um in a way sort of restores my faith in gamers a little bit because it right? is so obviously like on the surface it it's so obviously you would think open for you know abuse and trolling and that sort of thing um and and just having read a few articles about it we've got uh we're we're about to publish a review of it as well um oh cool and and i think our review actually contains some screenshots of the back and forth 
um, letters and it's, it's, it's really lovely. Like it's, it's really heartwarming. Great. Uh, by the time this episode goes up, that review may be up. Question yeah, it mark? should be. Yep. Cool. Um, so definitely check that out. Yeah. I was, I was just really impressed by people. Uh, another yeah. one of the games <laughs> that I had to play for the first time that you are probably familiar actually with is Bandersnatch. The, um, uh, the Black Mirror episode on Netflix that's a choose-your-own-adventure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have both of you guys checked that out? I have, yeah. Uh, I haven't. Okay, well, no spoilers, but um, basically the, the question of whether or not it's it's a game kind of comes down to whether or not you think a choose-your-own-adventure where it's... It, it, it is a movie, or at least an episode of a TV show, as Netflix prefers it to be billed. Mm-hmm. But you can choose kind of how it goes Mm. and yeah i mean that's that's that um and then the last one i want to talk about specifically was choices which is a mobile game you might have seen ads for it because there's ads for it just like everywhere it is a visual novel dating sim sometimes kind of deal where you are just reading a lot of text The, the text is dialogue between two people Sometimes you get to make an interesting choice. Usually you get to make a choice that isn't interesting. Um, <laughs> and, and, and there's there's just, you know, dialogue trees. That's basically the entirety of the game. So with that understanding, I want to I quiz you guys on a few of these games and, and see where you'd go from one to five, where f- one is the most game, five is <laughs> the least game on The Sims. The Sims. The Sims. Everyone's played The Sims. I think I'd say like three. Hmm. Yeah. I, I'd i probably put it in two, maybe. Yeah, three is surprising to me. To me, that The Sims is kind of like a, a f- an easier one for me to think is a game. Why, why would you say it's a three, Wyatt? I was leaning between two and three, but I think because I like, and I guess it goes to like, <clears throat> sort of like you were saying with the other one, like where you, where, how you consider a choose your own adventure. I think because I was looking at it more from just like, it's like a simulation. Yeah. And like looking at it from that per- perspective, like not necessarily a game, but just like a simulator and like whether or not like it's, it's a game, but like. It's also a simulator, so I was, I was, I, if I would really say, I'd say like two point five. Okay, but mm-hmm. I just kind of was, but I guess, leaning more towards a three. Yeah. How about Bandersnatch, the Black Mirror episode? Oh, I, I don't know. I'd probably put it. It, it'd be more in four or five territory for me, probably. I think as it is now. On Netflix, I would say it's a four. I'd say if you put that on Steam, and this, it might seem arbitrary, but I think the way, like, if it was on Steam, I think I'd say, like, three. But I think as as a Netflix thing, I would say it's on four. Because, like, it is a choose-your-own-adventure, but I think because, like, it's on Netflix and because it's Black Mirror, my brain is just thinking... (laughs) Yeah, this is just Black Mirror. But if you were to put that on Steam, then 
I feel like I would lean more towards game. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's, it might feel arbitrary, but like, it's, that's just like kind of how my brain like processes that one. Yeah. The, the part of this assignment that I'm not having you guys do is that um, b- before we ranked each of these individual games, we needed to write a definition for game for the yeah. word game. Uh, and mm-hmm. then we would be, we weren't exactly required to match these to our definition, but we were, you know, it, it was implied that we should because that is what the point of making our own definition would be. With Bandersnatch, I was I was maybe convinced by my own definition a little bit because the way I wrote <laughs> what a game should be, it was it was like a one. It was just it was just is a game, um, mm. which which is weird because you know I I I definitely feel you. The context makes it feel not like a game. It makes it feel like something else. But yeah. um, but there is a perceived goal that the player or viewer in this case um, can enact choices to get to. And that, that was kind of why, where I was feeling with it. But I think, I think you guys are more right than me because uh, (laughs) the context in which it's presented is so important. Yeah. And I think it depends on the, the way you frame the question in the sense that like, if I had to, if I had to make a binary choice between you know, it's a game or it's not. I yeah. lean more toward it being a game. Like, hmm. I think for me, my definition of what is a game is pretty wide open. Um, just because I think developers have shown us in the last few years and, and probably, you know, titles like Gone Home that probably opened up a lot of people's consciousness to this, I guess. Um I think developers have shown us a lot of different ways of making a game and, you know, different kinds of interactive experiences that we really hadn't seen before. So I feel like there's been a lot more experimentation at at the edges or at the frontiers of, of games and and what they can be. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, in, in that context of like it is or it isn't, I definitely lean more toward it is. Yeah. Because it's not just, a definitional thing there's such a cultural thing as well around saying something isn't a game in the gaming community Mm -hmm. now it's not just a category people take that to be if you say it's not a game that means it's bad all of a sudden yeah yeah Uh, yeah which which you want to stay away from you don't want to like discourage someone from making uh an interesting hard to define piece of software that that's awesome but um it, it, it can it can feel that way how about Minecraft, but uh, only creative mode of Minecraft, not survival mode? That'd be a one for me. Interesting. Yeah. Which is weird because I said Sims was a three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd probably... What what did I say Sims was? Maybe a two. I'd, I'd probably put it as roughly equivalent to The Sims, maybe. Hmm. Even though I suppose The Sims has more of a... Um, even though like Minecraft, as a player, you are to a, to a large degree, you're, you are defining your goals and measures of success to, to some extent. But I think The Sims is probably a little bit more gamey in a traditional sense because, you know, yes, you, you are defining your own goals, but there are some fundamental realities like, you know, you've got meters to fill up. Um, you know, if you don't feed your Sim, if there are, if there are certain things you don't attend to your sim will die 
um, you know, careers have a fairly defined progression path. It, the Sims is probably a little bit more traditional, whereas I think I see Minecraft as, as kind of being like, um, like a digital Lego, really. It's sure. Yeah. It's very gamey, but, but maybe not quite as much as the Sims. Yeah. I, I, sure. I think that things like Minecraft creative mode, and there were some other, other examples, uh, that I would put into that same camp, such mm. as Gary's mod and, yeah. um, the spore creature creator things where you're building. I think I would have to say they're tools. Um, and I would have, I would feel an obligation to draw a distinction between tools and games. Although I, I didn't put that in my definition. I just kind of feel that way. I don't know. It, it's a, it's a weird one. Um, but the, the thing with those building games is that if you were given a basketball and a, and a net, and maybe a court and you said are these things are the sum of these things a game i think i'd say no i think i think i'd say all all of those things you can play a game you can play basketball um Mm -hmm. but that's basketball is a rule set and those things are materials that you use to play it Mm. and maybe that is what minecraft creative mode is because i know a lot of people do play around in it um yeah they make their own goals you know Yeah. And I was going to say, that's really interesting. Like if I think about tools, like if I compare Minecraft to Photoshop, um, in both cases, I'm, I guess you could argue I'm building a creative project maybe. And, uh, although I might enjoy my time with Photoshop sometimes, um, Really, it's all You're about reaching. <laughs> that's, a, that's a weird thing. <laughs> you know, maybe I can I can listen to some music and kind of chill out a bit. Um, but really, like in Photoshop, I'm. It's really all about I'm getting to the goal. I've got something I need to achieve. That's the end yeah. of it. Whereas I think Minecraft is quite different because, you know, the idea in creative mode is you sort of you know yes you might be aiming to build something, but really it's that that gamification of, of the journey and the actual process of construction that is itself the fun part. Um, and I think the same is true of Lego as well. I mean, you know, you, um, you know, yes, you're trying to build a thing, but in some ways when you get to the thing at the end, that's it's kind of when the fun stops, I think, like, especially for an adult, um, it's the process of building that's entertaining. Yeah. Yeah, I agree true. with that for sure. Yeah, and and that would also, I think, raise the question of, like, is enjoyable software a game just in and of itself? If if you make a game that doesn't have a win state, maybe it's mm. only single user. I, I wouldn't even say single player. It's just user, single user. You don't have a way to affect any kind of game state or anything like that. Is that still a game? maybe uh what what about kind words that was that was kind of a hard one for me to rank myself yeah yeah that's a tough one because it's almost you could almost argue in a way that underneath the visual presentation kind words is basically like an anonymous chat system or an anonymous email system Mm -hmm. You know, it's, if you, if you were being really reductive, you could just sort of say, well, you know, it's a beautiful UI on top of Outlook. Um, 
but of course that would that would be reductive and that would miss the point i think of of the experience um that's a really difficult one to rank really yeah. really difficult i think i would have to say like the full mm. <laughs> yeah because like because yeah. like james said it's like i auto- i automatically almost want to be reductive and it's like oh you're just sending messages like that's not a game mm. but then like you said like is that like taking away sort of like the the essence of it or like i guess is that distilling it down too much to it's like pure essence yeah mm. yeah it it's it, it's a question of like being destructive or constructive i think because if if you want to be constructive with the question the question becomes how many features do i need to add to gmail before gmail is a game or yeah. Mm-hmm. And if I wanted to um, be destructive, I would say, how many game elements do I need to take out of kind words and are they important enough to not be considered uh, to get the core of it to be still a game? And either way, I don't I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I think the, the moral of the story that I got from this exercise was that... Um, it, it kind of doesn't matter and all of these things use game elements anyway and uh mm-hmm. can be talked about in game space yeah but it, it seems to matter to a lot of people people don't want to talk about i didn't bring up walking simulators like that kind of uh-huh. thing because edith finch and firewatch were also some of them and i understand why they were because that's a conspiracy or not a conspiracy that's a controversy is what i meant to say but <laughs> i i'm pretty sure we all would agree those are games that's that's easy that's fine um yeah i mean the way i think about it is um that there's a great talk from gdc 2005 by uh satoru iwata where he introduced electroplankton on on the ds and electroplankton is i don't know if if you've if either of you have played that but it's it it it's very much along the lines of the experiences we've been talking about where it's sort of like, yeah. oh, is it a game? Is it a creative tool? Considering you can't even save the music you create, it's it's not even like you're working toward oh, a I didn't goal know that. of Yeah, it's 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 not even like you're working toward the goal of making a piece of music because you never uh you you can never save it. Um it it is literally about the experience of the interaction experience moment to moment and i think iwata made a really interesting point he talked about um he addressed this idea of what is a game and his analogy was really cool he he said something like you know um the games that we are familiar with he his analogy was like talking about space you know, yeah. and, and we live on a planet called video games and we're used to that planet, but maybe there are these other planets in the universe that we haven't explored yet that are that present these very different experiences. Um, and it's kind of all within this game universe. And and that's kind of the way I I think about these things. And when you think about it in that way, the the sort of the taxonomy and the that where you draw the line, I think, becomes less important. I, I, I think that's true. And I I don't want to... <laughs> I brought it up because I thought you guys would maybe get a kick out of that conversation. 
but I mm-hmm. kind of don't like the question existing in the amount of spotlight that it has, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if, if we focus so much on categorization, we don't end up talking about what the things actually are. I know uh, there were mm. some, there were some um, astronomers. Wait, is astronomer or astrologer? Which one's the one that's fake? astrologer is fake astronomer is real okay astronomer (laughs) (laughs) yeah so the astronomers we're we're talking about um a similar problem in their field after pluto was decided to be not a planet anymore yeah where so many people were focusing on the categorization of the thing that uh the focus was no longer on astronomy and actual Mm. science that could be done in the in the area of pluto or the area of our solar system um and and it's i think this kind of thing can get us in the weeds of what we really want to talk about which is um play you know and i I think most of these things have play Mm. in them so we uh that Mm. was a diversion from playtime report but i think we're back in it uh we only have a few more playtime report entries who wants to talk about something next all of these look good uh yeah i'm happy to go uh my my um game playing in recent times has been all over the map uh yeah for real so uh i'm not i'm not sure what drove me to this really but i'd been thinking for a while about replaying dragon age inquisition um maybe it's because of the whole like a lot of the the stuff we've heard about what happened with dragon age what dragon age 4 that that sort of sounds like it's pretty much not going ahead in, in the way that we all hoped it would. Um, Wait, I haven't heard these rumors. What's going on? Well, it's kind of related to the whole Anthem thing. Um, oh. I believe that the that the Dragon Age team, I'm not sure which part of Bioware they are, but I believe they were working on the next Dragon Age for quite some time. And they were essentially, I think pulled off that project to to kind of help rush through uh, and and swarm on anthem to get it finished um and i can't remember the details but i'm pretty sure i'd read that they that the dragon age they were working on is not going ahead um and i from memory that was a pretty big blow to the team because they seem to be pretty excited about what they were building. Um, mm. But there is another Dragon Age thing happening? I don't know. I sort of... Again, this could be wrong, but I got the impression with that reporting that that Dragon Age is kind of a bit of a question mark at the moment. Huh. Um, so I, I don't know what the future of the franchise is. Um, and it's a shame because... Uh, although I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of Dragon Age, like there are some real diehard fans, um, but I love Dragon Age Inquisition. And I think partly because of all this news and partly because I was just sort of looking for that kind of story, character-driven RPG um, experience, I thought I'd go back and replay it. And I kind of intended to 
I thought, oh, maybe I'll, you know, I'll play a few hours or something and then I'll probably go on to something else. I've already played through it once and finished it. Uh, and, you know, now I'm, I don't know, 15 hours into my next playthrough already. <laughs> wow. Um, I mean, this game came out in 2014 and you play it now in 2019 and it still looks amazing. It still feels very modern, I think, as well. Um and there's so much about it that's just really beautifully made. I, I think this was the game that um, you might remember there was some discussion around the Bioware magic, uh, yeah. you know, and, and mm-hmm. Bioware sort of hitting it out of the park with Dragon Age Inquisition and, and maybe sort of assuming that that magic would carry over to subsequent games. Um so maybe Dragon Age Inquisition's a bit of a fluke, I don't know. Um, but playing it again in 2019 is definitely worth it. Like it, it feels like a game that could have come out yesterday. It's it's cool. just amazing. Um, and I think what I, one thing that I really love about it is this whole premise that you sort of start with nothing, essentially. You know, there's this disaster at the beginning of the game, and really the the arc that you follow through the game is that you are the leader of this inquisition and you are building up support throughout the world so you're collecting people all over the world to join you you're building influence all throughout the world and some of that's done through combat but a lot of it's done through diplomacy as well um you know so you have this great big kind of map of the world and as you're going out there and, you know, completing missions and quests and stuff, you can send your agents out in the world to kind of influence events. Uh, and it's, it's really interesting. Like when you, when you read through the, uh, the text of one of these, I forget what they're called. They're like an agent mission. So they're not a mission that you do personally, but you send your people out to do them. Um, there'll be this whole story about like a, I don't know, like a big family dispute that's happening in a town and there's this question over, you know, who's going to take over the town or who's going to marry who or whatever. And you have all these options about how you deal with that situation. You know, you might send someone in to quietly assassinate the person you don't like or, um, you know, you might send your troops through the area as a show of force or you might... um, you might influence the situation diplomatically. Um, you can really get drawn into this world. There's so much detail and so much choice. Um, so I'm actually thinking I'll probably keep playing this alongside everything else and I'll probably end up finishing it again, which for me is a big statement because I tend to just bounce between a lot of games all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> That, that is a lot of Dragon Age Inquisition to play over and over again, but uh, I'm glad you're having a good time with it. I That's one of the games that, in a, in recent memory, one of, one of maybe the most this way, of all the games that were considered Game of the Year by a lot of publications when they came out, this one seems to be one of the more forgotten ones in public discussion. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. then shortly after that, it was like Overwatch and Breath of the Wild and God of War... Uh, and those are all still pretty relevant. And Dragon Age Inquisition, 
I don't know. I don't know. What, I don't know what's up with that. That it just seems like people are talking about it less. Even the year, the year before that, twenty thirteen, I think a lot of people gave it to The Walking Dead, which is definitely still in the news mm-hmm. uh, for for all the wrong reasons. Uh, but, <laughs> but I'm glad we got that going on. Uh, what's What's next? What did we do? Did we do them all? Uh, oh, I've been playing a little bit of Spider-Man. Oh, um, Spider-Man! Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know that. One. Um, <laughs> so I think I it was on sale. I think during E3, it was some months ago, um, and I never played it when it originally came out last year. Um, so I decided to give it a roll, and then other stuff happened over the last couple months. But then I picked it up again this week um, and started playing through it again. Like it, it's just such a fun game. Um, you know, it doesn't really take. I'm like a very compulsive person when it comes to side quests. So for sure, I honestly haven't even, I haven't gotten that far into the main story because there's all these collectibles. Like there's pigeons you have to, to like capture for this one dude. And then there's pictures of, um, cats that you have to take for, um, (laughs) for another person. And then there's like, uh, there's these little, uh, towers or little like research stations that um, Harry Osborne has that you have to go through. So like, rather than just playing through all of the main story quests, like every time a new thing pops up, I have to do every single one of them on the map. So I haven't even, I think I may be not even halfway through the story, but I've done a lot of the side quests and stuff. So, and yeah, uh, how do you like it's it? It's just fun. For it's really fun. I, I imagine that everyone's been talking it up to you for for a year, so yeah, exactly. You're finally, getting around to it. How how does it match your expectations? It really well. I mean, it's it's everything that I kind of would have wanted it to be. Because like, just sometimes I'll just you know just just swing around because just swinging around is just so fun. Mm-hmm. And then especially trying to like continually catch like the boost after you like you know like hitting the timing right for every time you know you uh, you reach the apex of of your swing um so it's just really fun even just doing that not even really playing the game itself but just swinging around and then the combat's fun you know it's the same style of combat that was in the uh the arkham asylum batman games um and i i love that kind of combo like or that kind of uh combat just keeping up combos and you know trying to rack up as many hits as possible and doing all the finishers and stuff like that like it's just almost every element of that game is is very polished and i hope that they do a new one at some point but i probably should finish this one first but mm-hmm. i hope that down the line we have more swinging around is pretty fun <laughs> they're an more amazing have swinging around honestly why doesn't mario swing around <laughs> <laughs> he rolls around in odyssey not enough <laughs> not not there <laughs> not quite <laughs> Um, I played this game. It was it was a browser, in browser game. I don't think it was Flash, but it was something like Flash or something. Back in maybe would have been something like 2013, around six years ago. That was based on Attack on Titan, a show I did not watch. But in Attack on Titan, I I, I suppose there there all the characters have like a web swinging grappling gun they use. Yeah, it's like hooks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they they shoot it out and it clings into like the the architecture or whatever. And they have these. They also dual wield knives. And in this game, 
in this browser game, everywhere you click, you can just send your... Uh, well, if you right-click, you send your right hook, and if you left-click, you send your left hook. And I've been thinking about this game forever. I haven't been able to find it again. <laughs> but it, it was amazing, because you could just... You change the camera with the with the mouse and, and move with wazd as you as you do and just the manual clicking for for swinging around just it felt so good and there were there were all the titans walking around and you could shoot into them and swing off of them and climb up just by swinging back and forth and then you hit them in the back of their necks but they hate that i again i don't know the lore of attack on titan <laughs> But they seem to really not like that bit. Um, and it was so cool. I, swinging is one of the better video game mechanics that there are around mm -hmm. that we have access to as humans. <laughs> Mitchell, I, I, feel like, I feel like you could potentially be the one and only person who writes a feature about the joy of swinging in video games. <laughs> and, and I feel like that would sort of define our magazine. Like that's our niche right there, you know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I did one for mountains. So yeah, yeah exactly. And that was such yeah. an awesome article. I feel like, you know, I joke, but I feel like you could do this, Mitchell. <laughs> I believe in you, Mitchell. The problem is that not enough games do swing. So it's not like I have a whole lot to go off, but sure, oh, well, that, sure. that can be the rant portion of the article why isn't there more and then swinging? you can God. be the revolution yes. everyone can see your article and then developers are like you know what let's add swinging you guys <laughs> yeah. what if the sequel to breath of the wild uh, <laughs> oh, has, has uh, like hook shots that you can just put it oh. at mountains oh my god around from those yes. now i'm thinking of like like Breath of the Wild, but with Spider-Man level of traversal and, and like transportation. Oh my god! Instead of needing a horse, you just swing <laughs> yeah, around. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah, screw the horse. This is amazing. yeah. Get the horses out of there. I'm a spider yeah. now. And <laughs> the combination of using a hook shot and then Breath of the Wild's stamina meter that'd be that'd mm -hmm. be really cool. I need, would be I need to I make the it. sequel to Breath of the Wild now. Yep, uh, yes, that's it. Because if that's not in Breath of the Wild 2, now I'm just going to be upset. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you know it's all your Nintendo fault. Nintendo actually <laughs> forfeits their ownership of the Zelda copyright if Breath of the Wild 2 doesn't have a hookshot. Because uh, well, if they, they don't do it, then it. anyone is allowed to make a Zelda game because clearly the people in charge didn't do the right one. <laughs> yep. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know their audience <laughs> at all. Uh, it's great. Uh, now I think we talked about all the Playtime Report items, unless there's one more and I'm mistaken. Um, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thanks. So, yeah. thank you guys for <laughs> hanging out with me today and talking about some games. Um, that, as a weird, just only Playtime Report episode, that could have been its own podcast and like a regular one just when the podcast <laughs> was in full swing. So the fact that we never did that before it is maybe a little sad to me uh, because as I alluded to earlier, this is a weird episode. Reason, uh, it is the last episode that I'm doing, at least for the foreseeable future and probably the last episode at all for the foreseeable future and even possibly i don't want to say this because I, I don't want to put this out there possibly just the last episode of the super jump podcast 
Um, this is because, and I've talked about this on, on, on the show. I talked about this in this episode. I, I went back to school. I, I'm doing a master's program in games. And even though I'm thinking about games all the time and I'm playing games all the time and I'm writing about games all the time, which should factor into the viability of this podcast, uh, it's too much. <laughs> it's too much to uh, do all of that and then also do a podcast just for like time in my life. I, I don't know if I would be able to bring any level of consistency quality uh regularity and regularity was already a problem imagine now uh to (laughs) the super jump podcast in my current uh setting and i'm gonna be here for like a year and a half so i don't want to just say wait till i'm done it'll be (laughs) it'll be some time um in in the meantime, I'd love it if if uh, someone else took over the Super Jump podcast and did regular episodes. I I'd, I'd I'd be really into that, but uh, I I also wouldn't count on that. And I you know that's that's for a different conversation entirely. So uh, so that's that. I I didn't want to just ghost everyone, um, although I kind of have been <laughs> uh, by accident. I didn't want to just leave and not explain why because i know when podcasts like this end the uh inclination that a lot of people have sometimes me too i'm I'm part of the thing here is that there was a schism between the people running it or uh there was just a a dark depression that took over and uh that is not the case i really want to keep running the podcast I'm, i'm having a good time with it i like the podcast i really like you guys james and wyatt i'm glad that you've been here uh, with me on this journey but it is just not something i can keep doing so i'm sorry for that i really wish i could do more um it's a good show it turned it turned into a show i've become really proud of so yeah what do you yeah. guys think of the podcast ending what's what are your takes oh <laughs> uh, well it's maybe i should answer that question by putting it in some context around uh, your relationship with, with super jump um, for, for the, the listeners that may not know this um, Mitchell, your first article with us was all about Banjo Kazooie and the Nintendo 64 and your relationship with your grandfather and, and the connection between these things and how much that game means to you for that reason. And I remember that you, I think initially you'd uh, gone to submit it elsewhere to a, to a lesser publication and uh, for for various, (laughs) for various reasons that I won't get into here, I was lucky enough to get an email from you um, offering it to us. And, you know, of course I, uh, I thought it was a beautiful piece. It was a it was a story that um, resonated with me because I sort of had a similar experience with Super Mario Brothers and my dad, uh, and and the role that played in our relationship. Um, so it really spoke to me personally. And what I found really amazing was that you know we went ahead and published this piece and. At that time, we were brand new. We really had no audience on the magazine, um, you know, nothing nothing like we are today. And not only did 
did you continue submitting beautiful articles to us, but you came to me with the idea for the podcast and it was something you really wanted to do. You'd worked with, uh, you'd created other podcasts before. Um, I, <laughs> when you sent, when you started talking to me about the idea, I sort of vetted you a little bit by listening to some of your other work. And oh, I was, did you really? I did. Yeah. Yeah. I'm <laughs> like, Oh yeah, we'll, we'll see. And I was so impressed. I'm like, okay, this, this guy's a natural, like he's, he's this seasoned podcast host, you know, he's, uh, I, I think I was listening to your, your, what was it called? Your N64 podcast that you had. Oh, um, yeah. Don't look for it. Cause I don't, I don't even think it exists online anymore, but it's 64, 464. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really cool. Uh, I was actually a bit sad it didn't continue. It was really cool. Um, yeah, no, me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and I was definitely, I guess, like my hesitation early on was, came from two things. Like one was I knew nothing about podcasts. Like I listened to them, but I had never been on one. And I guess I had some hesitation about whether or not I could do it and whether or not I would be able to keep up with you on a show. Uh, and then the other side was just, you know, my own availability with, I guess, not just with the magazine, but with other things in life. I, you know, I sort of thought that would be a problem. And somehow we managed to make all of that work. Um, you were very, very, I remember early on, you were very, very generous with me in terms of giving me tips and guiding me through how to do this process. And you were also really generous in terms of, um, you know, the timing and and making it work for my schedule and, and for yours as well. And the time difference, you know, and all the rest of it. And so I was like fast forward to now. So like I, just before that we started this show, I, uh, this recording, I, um, I always make some little notes on, on Google docs about some things I might want to say. And I have a folder that has all of my notes from the previous episodes. And this folder is packed full of files going back. What? Nearly three years or something now. Um, Oh, wow. And they're all still there. And it, it, I just looked at this this morning and, I, and I'm just amazed. I'm like, I would never have imagined, you know, I thought maybe we would experiment with a couple of episodes and, you know, see how it goes. And here we are, like years later, we've done all these shows. Um, you know, even when I haven't been around, you've, you've kept up with the show, uh, you know, you've put so much work into it. We've had amazing guests. Um, it's incredible that uh, Wyatt, that that you came onto the show and and have been such a a consistent and amazing contributor to it as well. Um, and so, you know, as I said to you, Mitchell, uh, when we were talking about this before the show, uh, although it's sad for the podcast to end uh, at the moment. I feel like there's a really great future ahead and you're right when you say that, you know, th this is sort of ending because of 
you know, the, the, the real world commitments and the other things that really have to take priority. But, um, you know, you're, you're such a, a key part of super jump and, and I think you always will be. And, uh, whatever we do next is going to be awesome and it'll just get better and better. So, uh, I hope that the listeners, you know, number one, go back. If you're new, go back and listen to all the episodes because, there's some really, really awesome conversations and some really interesting guests. And, you know, make sure to follow the magazine and, and to read Mitchell and Wyatt's um, beautiful work in the magazine. Um, it's, it's a big part of what makes us unique. And when I meet people, like when I'm at PAX and um, I'm at these events and talking to people about the magazine, um, the feedback I always get is that people are really interested in what we're doing. They're interested that we're a really positive force in, in gaming, that we're not about being cynical. We're not about tearing people down. We're just about celebrating the medium we love. And, and that's only that, that kind of reputation only comes from, you know, from you guys and from the amazing writers and guests we've had. Uh, and it's such a massive privilege to be able to do this at all. So um, thank you for everything. Oh, man. Thanks, James. <laughs> That's great. That's amazing. <laughs> you got me for clumped. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I haven't been on, <clears throat> excuse me, the podcast as long as it's been around, but... You know, I just appreciate you guys bringing me on because every time we come on, I feel like we always just have a really great conversation. Um, and the three of us and, you know, that dynamic and then just me and Mitchell when we've done our show, I feel like we always had a really good rapport and it just felt like, you know, just kicking back and just talking about video games with, with friends. And uh, I think that really resonates well. Um, and like, you know, James said, I'm excited for the future because, you know, I'm sure something will, you know, will happen with Super Jump with this whole space in the future. But, you know, I just want to thank both of you guys for bringing me on and for always kind of just having really good conversations and, and just a good times all around. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. And, and as, as James said, um, I do intend to keep writing. Uh, so you'll, you'll see articles still part of super jump. I, I wouldn't take them any other place <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> uh, I mean, unless they offered a lot of money, and then you're shit out of luck, James. Uh, but for the most part, <laughs> then all else equal, <laughs> Super Jump is my preferred destination for that stuff. Um, yeah, and I I just wanted to show you guys praise as much as you've just done for me because like when you were talking about vetting me as a as a seasoned podcast veteran <laughs> i that is very surprising to me because i thought i was like this little kid i mean i wasn't i was very much an adult already but <laughs> <laughs> I, I i felt like this kid coming up to james saying like oh hey uh hi mr burns uh i i can tell <laughs> that you uh you have a popular thing can i can i be part of it can i do a podcast <laughs> and the fact that I was allowed to with the super jump name and, and uh, allowed to continue it in as prom as prominent a position on the magazine as it has been 
uh, it's just been amazing to me. And the, the fact that you gave me the opportunity and put the trust in me in order to make that happen was pretty crazy. And you, Wyatt, I mean, like, we 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 were looking for a, th- a third person to be in the rotation for for guests for well since it started really because we knew that both of our schedules wouldn't always line up especially because of the time zone but just also because of adult life existing and being a thing so yeah. mm-hmm. your your ability to just you came in one episode mm-hmm. and <laughs> at, <laughs> at the end of that one episode james and i had a little talk and we were just yeah just just bring him back every time literally every time you want to do an episode just ask Wyatt also if he wants to be on and there was no there there didn't seem to ever be a hesitation from you where you were like wait I thought I was a guest and now I'm just on every episode you were you were into it the whole time yeah I was more than happy to to, to come on because like even from that first episode like it was just it was such a fun time um and like I said, it literally just felt like we were just like old buddies just talking about video games, you know, whatever happened to be going on at the moment. Um, and that was always just super fun. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad to hear that. But, yeah, it was no problem at all. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm so glad you stuck around. Uh, special thanks also go out to everyone that we've ever interviewed for the show, um, including but not limited to Jeff Onan, who... Uh, honestly, in retrospect, should have been on this episode. He's been on a lot of episodes. Yeah. Um, uh, Heil Russell from DK Vine, Gavin Price from Platonic Games, my sister Peyton Wolf, who had some things to say about Super Mario Party that one time. Um, <laughs> the Twitch streamer Alter Mentality, uh, also known as Courtney uh, Svatek, Josh Beiser, and Daryl Baxter. See, yes. I, I knew I'd remember them all. Uh, <laughs> and all everyone who's made the Super Jump podcast a thing by your listenership, by your, your readership of the magazine, just everything involved. Medium recently became important uh, as an entity and an organization. So you guys also absolutely at Medium, if you're listening to this. We'll see. Four... <laughs> um, the immediate future if i i don't have anything written here this time uh i w- would normally tell you to remember to subscribe but you know you wouldn't get anything for that uh but do follow the super jump magazine on our social media that's there, there's a facebook page there is a twitter page of course follow the magazine itself on medium of course do that that's the point that then this whole i hate to break it to you guys this podcast for the whole time has been a really long commercial for the Super Jump magazine. Um, some some eagle-eyed listeners or eagle-eared listeners, perhaps, have picked up on that. Um, you've solved the puzzle. You've realized it was a commercial. Um, and and everyone else, just thank you. And until next time, stay super. Mm-hmm.